Welcome to Audio Club, a new music technology podcast from Yorkshire Sound Women Network. I'm Cara C, and each month I'm going to be talking to some amazing women and gender minority audio professionals who will be telling us about their work and also sharing some creative inspiration, career advice, gear tips and much more. In this episode, we're getting motivated and talking about how to make things happen. Whether it's putting on gigs, sharing your knowledge on YouTube, releasing records or live streaming a set online. If your passion for music extends beyond just making it, then you don't need to wait for anyone else before turning that idea into reality. My two guests have done just that. Sophie Cooper is a musician and educator who has been promoting gigs and festivals for nearly two decades now. And Lina Tortonon is a musician and producer whose YouTube channel LNA Does Audio Stuff has grown to more than 20,000 subscribers in less than three years. Together, we're talking essential skills, community, confidence, valuable mistakes and the importance of knowing yourself. So why not join us and prepare to be inspired as we make it happen with Audio Club. So I wonder if, Sophie, first of all, you could tell us a bit about um, what you're doing, what you do, and um, what you do when outside of making your own music, if you like. So your how-to-make-things-happen expertise. Right. Oh, this that's a big thing. <laughs> Lots of topics. <laughs> I am a DIY promoter. I suppose it's quite interesting talking about DIY promotion in a pandemic situation. I kind of feel like a bit mm-hmm. of a fraud saying it at the moment because I haven't put on a real gig in 18 months or so, whatever it's been. But um, yeah, so I, I normally, under normal circumstances, promote gigs in Topperdon, West Yorkshire, under the title Tour. So I use the word Tour as a sort of umbrella title for lots of different projects that myself and my partner Jake run. Um, so we've got tour festival, tour bookings, which is like the the sort of regular gig series we do. Jake runs tour beers, which is a beer shop. Um, in the past, we've had tour press. That so was a label. I also run tour FM, which is my radio show. So, um, yeah, you, you get the idea anyway. Uh, we've <laughs> been doing that together for about uh, nine years in Topden. Prior to that, I was living in London. And did a lot of work at Cafe Otto, did a lot of volunteering there and, pr- and promoting shows with them. And then before that, I was in Manchester and I was putting on gigs in houses and all that, well, loads of different weird venues. So all in all, I've been promoting gigs for about 20 years, which makes me feel really grown up now. So, yeah, so that's what I do. And that's probably what we're going to focus on today talking about. But I, um, I'm a musician and sound artist, I suppose, increasingly these days just started to take up a bit of like sound design work which is a new new area for me and I also do a lot of teaching music teaching uh work Mm -hmm. for Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival lead on all their education activities there so yeah lots of things I'll I'll just say at this point as well I'm a massive music nerd geek whatever you want to say I collect music I love music so um, I'm kind of like in my dream career at the moment I have to say (laughs) I'm very lucky yeah Ace, ace. And you know, just from doing gigs myself, I know and putting them on myself, I know how much work's involved. So on doing that outside of all your other work is 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 amazing that you're able to get it going. And also it's about keeping it going, isn't it? So um so the 
there's so much involved in there with you know, whether it's venues, artists, music licenses, or the equipment everyone needs, the timing, and then of course promoting the show. What are, what would you say are the real essentials, and where did you learn about them? I think them? the essential thing to say really is like this is a passion project. Um, I, re- I kind of see like promoting gigs and being part of the DIY community in the UK and, and internationally as well as an extension of my practice really extension of my community so yeah it is a lot of work yeah it can be tiring and quite hard at times and everything but I really enjoy it and it gives me a lot of satisfaction so yeah I'd say that's the most essential thing you need is is the drive really and uh, knowing why you why you do this thing as well I think mm-hmm. it's important to sort of ask yourself like why am I why am I putting myself in these positions um so yeah I think that's the first thing um what else do you need to know to put on a gig? I think you've just got to be aware of like where you kind of are situated in your community. For for me, like putting on events in Todmorden was really important to me, establishing myself in the community and making friends. I know that sounds really basic, but it was a great way to meet people. And me putting on gigs in Todmorden meant that I could be part of the, the sort of wider DIY community in the UK and be part of like a touring circuit as well. So so say I can put on someone from Brighton or wherever, Glasgow or something like that. Likewise, and when I go on tour, I'll hit up wherever they're putting on gigs. And it's, it all kind of like feeds into this like beautiful system of uh, being supportive of each other. Yeah, it's kind of creating the ecosystem, exactly. isn't it? And then once you're part of it, realising it's give and take, there's all that kind of um, two-way communication, which I think can also bring up lots of surprises. Yeah, it's it? a mutual respect thing for me. I'm just mm. part of some like a massive bigger thing um, and that's quite grounded and really important. Like me putting on gigs in Todmorden, it's like it's not the most important thing that needs to happen in the, in the world or anything. But so I think it's it's quite nice to sort of feel humble about about your position and like what impact you're having on the community and kind of like, I don't, do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? That's a really bad way of putting it, but um well, it's almost, it's not, it's not putting too much pressure or unrealistic kind of expectations as well, isn't it? It's like, you have to be realistic that by putting on a gig at Todd, you're not suddenly yeah. going to be, I don't know, um, getting a million plays no, on Spotify exactly. or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm really yeah. aware that like, we're not experts at doing things. Um, it's always quite funny when, pe- I find it funny when people ask me for my advice about stuff, because I'm just like, I'm just doing it, working it out day by day. You're constantly learning. I've made so many mistakes and I've learned from those mistakes and try not to do them again. But something else always comes back up. Like the last festival I put on in Todmorden, I'll probably get onto this a bit later, but I made some massive mistakes. I was just like, what a rookie. Oh my God, you've been doing this for 20 years. So yeah, you're just always learning and yeah, you're part of something bigger as well, I think is what I'm trying to say. Live a lot and learn yeah, little and you're doing exactly. all right. <laughs> and um, would you say that your experiences as a promoter have taught you much about in terms of being a musician does it feed back in that kind of way as well yeah yeah definitely particularly on the sound tech side of things um that was pretty massive for me (laughs) because when I first started going on tour I was like in my early 20s me and my friend Kelly and we had this like improv sort of free folk duo guitar playing and we just rock up at venues and just be like right we've got two acoustic guitars sort us out please and all these sound people would just do it and and it was only when we played uh, played the old blue last in london one year and they had a woman sound engineer and she was like you two really need to learn to like bring your own equipment because <laughs> we were just like can you plug this in or something please we had no idea 
so like learning about sound for myself obviously I, I know way more about sound than I did then but now I can rock up at a gig and be like I need this mic I need this whatever it is you know so that's been really really valuable and also like knowing about fees has been really essential to like knowing knowing mm-hmm. how much to ask for what's realistic depending on the situation that kind of thing and just being prepared to say what you need as well but that's yeah. that's definitely yeah. just come with age and also because I work for an arts organization now I know how to say these things and and get what I want <laughs> brilliant thank you Sophie that's amazing sounds like yeah you have learned loads and picking up the wisdoms as you go along um Lena tell us about your YouTube channel LNA does audio stuff when and why did you start it well, firstly, I just want to say, like, this is such interesting to hear Sophie and then, like, contrast into what I do, because, like, I, I'm really bad at events and, like, all everything that Sophie does. So it's so fascinating for me to hear that experience. So just wanted to say that in the beginning. But um, so, yeah, my YouTube channel, I started that two and a half years ago. I just graduated from my uh, music production master's in York University, and I was working first at uh, Ann Summers and then I went to work in Gear for Music as a customer service assistant uh, in Finnish and English and while I was there uh, part of the job was to look at a lot of YouTube tutorials especially like box openings and like get to know a little bit of the gear and stuff what I kind of realized on the process was that I don't see any women here (laughs) uh, in YouTube as soon as you say that people are yeah well there is YouTube there is women in YouTube doing sound stuff and music production but actually when you look into it you don't have women teaching music production in a very technical level like explaining the actual science behind compressor or you know EQ or like going into like really deep level of this knowledge and I was like well I got that knowledge now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I study theater and my background is in performance art so I was like well I could just start doing YouTube and yeah, that's two and a half years ago now. And I've been posting once a week since two and a half years ago. What? Every single week? Every single, I haven't missed one week. Oh my word. Do you stockpile them then or do you literally record them every week? Well, mostly for two years, I've been just recording every week, um, editing and recording. So now it's good to remind that like between that area. So I left here for music. Then I went to be a lecturer in Leeds Conservatoire. So I was there for a year and then now I'm just doing this full time. So it's kind of good to kind of give perspective there that even when I was a lecturer, I was there two days a week. But even though lecturing takes a little bit more time than Mm. just two days. But uh, so like it was my main focus as soon as I started doing it even in gear for music I was three days a week so as soon as I started doing YouTube it was like this is my job this is what I need to do so it was my goal so I made a week one video a week Mm. I run basically three businesses right now so I have my own stuff my artistry my YouTube all this like me as a LNA and then I'm writing a book and I'm also uh, running a company called Equalize Music Production together with Emily Johnson. So three things together. So I needed to start to also customize the way I do YouTube and how I produce the videos. So I started to do video weeks. So I create four videos the first week of the um, the month or the first two weeks of the month. And then rest of the month is for the other stuff. Um, Mm. But example, this summer I needed time and 
break. Uh, so I made 15 videos in three weeks, which was quite intense, but it left me almost three months for free. So mm, yeah, it's it's just balance and like time management, really. <laughs> Are there any sort of tips or formulas or wisdom from how you have grown it? Because you're now at an amazing, I remember you starting it and then, mm. you know, now on 20,000 subscribers, like how have you gone from nothing to that in two and a half years? That's awesome. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's posting every single week. YouTube is ruthless about algorithms. Ruthless. Absolutely ruthless. If you don't post one week, like my money will go $100 down in a one week. And to gain back the $100, it takes three months. So it goes down for one week. But the, to get back the $100 takes three months. I also pay my rent with this. So <laughs> how I became where I am now the 20,000 is consistency and then deciding that it's my work so I need to do it mm. um, and my mom always says that, like if you do something then why not to do it fully why why would you yeah. like do it halfway only so then if you do it then do it properly get yourself a proper intro study the thumbnail study tags study titles study the topics study everything and the amount of work that goes into these videos is so much like mm. i one video can take a week to make yeah and it might get 300 views <laughs> like in the beginning yeah <laughs> but yeah it takes so much time yeah i personally believe that the amount of effort you put towards something if you do it 100% then it will bring the outcome that you want but also in youtube and in art and in music everything one of the key point is knowing yourself and figure out how you can do it your way the biggest feedback i get from my videos is firstly that they get a lot of information out of them so they learn a lot stuff that they maybe never learned but also second point that i get usually is that people like the way i teach and also third one is that they like my personality and my humor but it's taken a while to figure out how I can be myself and how I can do this as me. So it wasn't like given from the beginning that it just happens. But with time and dedication, I found this kind of way that I feel comfortable doing it. And as soon as I feel comfortable, also, that's where the subscribers come. I remember I did one, I think it was probably early on in the pandemic, doing like an online video resource and people ask you to do it like it's something you can do in 10 minutes and, and it isn't it for me. I was like, like looking at myself and then things I thought were imperfections and I never forget you, you actually commented and a couple of friends saying that's what you have to get used to is because actually that's your quirks yeah. and your quirks are what, what actually then become because I would say you're, you're really quirky, <laughs> you know, you might make little mistakes and you laugh about mm. it or, you know, there's that kind of lightness and it doesn't have to be. I know everything, this has to be perfect all the time. I don't know. I, I get that feel and I think that's the personality side, is it, that you're talking about? Yeah. And one thing about that is that what I also kind of resent in the audio industry is how people make it so uh, serious. Because when it becomes serious and when you every person that you see on YouTube pretends that they know everything, it makes it very intimidating for people and very unapproachable. Mm. And my whole goal with my YouTube channel is bring a visibility to audio industry and also make people feel more confident about their practice. 
make people believe that everybody can do it. If this dyslexic, very dyslexic, dyscalculia foreign <laughs> person who never was supposed to go to university can do it, then every single person in this world can. This audio industry just makes us feel very insecure about ourselves in many, many different levels. And that's something that I really want to come across is that, you know, if I can do it, then everybody can do it. Music and music production should be fun. It shouldn't be serious always. Like it, it's not that, it's not rocket science, is it? It's creative. It's fun. Mm. It's expl exploring your creativity. And when you make it that sciencey and you make it like, like science can be fun, but we're meant to think that it's not because it's serious. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's either something you know or you don't yeah. and actually it is just about it's about just giving those foundations really um and also the language so you know you you can even use the word compressor knowing what it actually is yeah at what point would you say that you started to get a decent enough income from all that arduous you know consistent work uh, a year ago okay so I've been doing this two and a half years. So I resigned from my job from the university a year ago because I saw that it started to grow and I needed to put more effort to it. Uh, and I wanted to put more effort to it. So it was very big leap because I still count my income with the rent. Mm. <laughs> I'm not a person who still could be like, oh, yeah. Oh, money just comes and goes, you know, like I still I'm very conscious about my incomes and outgoings. That's the word, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, month, mm -hmm. one year ago and it's revenue of so many things. It's like mm -hmm. I counted that it's basically my revenue is like between 10 to 15 things, I guess. Right. Via YouTube, you mean? Everything. Yeah. Okay. Everything you do. Yeah. 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 All those different kind of pots. Yeah. YouTube itself started to pay me only enough viable amount this year. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So you have to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Post once a week, do about three to four days worth of work for two years <laughs> for free. And then you can start earning from it. That's basically it. So obviously there's lots of work involved. So what is it that keeps you going? What is it that, find, that you find most rewarding about doing this? Well, I can actually just read for you what makes me <laughs> go. So this, usually these messages, I get these kind of messages a lot from women. Um, but this type of message I got from a Patreon on my Patreon just today. Mm -hmm. And I, I can just read it to you because this is this tells exactly why. Just wanted to say I have watched countless producers, mixers through YouTube for years, and you are the only one who has truly inspired me. I have never signed up for a Patreon before. I'm so grateful to you for your clear videos. It's not just helping me to learn their software. It's giving me confidence. Thank you for everything you do. Make sure to give yourself time to recharge. And I can tell you put a lot of effort in your videos. They are worth the wait. And, you know, mm. like that made me feel like it's worth it. Or the fact that, you know, in Instagram, there was this feminist club in Africa. I can't remember what country it was, where they're learning music production in this community center. And I was tagged in a video where they had projected my video about compressor explaining compressor into the classroom and there's like 10 15 women sitting and watching my video 
And that melted my heart in so, so it makes me almost cry, like even now just talking about it, because it means so much like to see someone who's representing yourself online and there's no other women explaining compressor online. I searched mm. <laughs> and there's in at least not the same way I'm doing it. And mm. I messaged them. And I said like, oh my God, this really like touched me. The fact that like you are projecting me <laughs> somewhere in Africa to this feminist club. And they said that, yeah, these women saw your videos and they only want to see your videos now. And I'm like, <laughs> so, you know, even that impact already tells enough, you know, why I need to keep on doing this. Mm. Because I don't see myself as an educator. I'm an artist. <laughs> but I feel like if people get that much out of the way I explain things and I can pay my rent with it as well, then right now in this time of my life, doing this is absolutely worth the, worth the amount of work that I'm doing. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Um, and what about for you, Sophie? What would you say the most rewarding thing about you know generating all these gigs, being part of that ecosystem? I don't have a quote to read out, I'm afraid. <laughs> that was quite amazing. How do you top that? Oh. I just read yeah. it today earlier, so it was it was there. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Right. What's the most rewarding things about doing things for yourself? Not having to leave my area to go and see gigs. I know that sounds like a really basic thing, but I live in um, a rural area. If I wasn't putting the concerts on that I curate, they wouldn't be happening in the area. Like, for example, I promoted a gig with Sarah Anglis. She'd composed a uh, micro opera. So to bring that to Todmorden was pretty special for me. And it also, on a practical level, meant I didn't have to like travel into Manchester to see it because the trains are really bad coming back afterwards. So it's really basic things like that. That's actually really rewarding for me. And I can look around a room just like know that people haven't seen this sort of stuff and they're just going, what is this? Well, I think that's actually really interesting and valuable. And you did touch on this earlier on, but um, let's let's explore this a bit more if you can think of any. Um, can you think of any mistakes you made earlier on that taught you some valuable lessons? <laughs> yeah, I, I did touch on it with the sound. And so, mm. um, that was a big one. So I put in a gig in Manchester. I'll never forget this for my friend James Blackshaw, uh, a 12-string guitar player. And he was due to play the gig. And I booked this beautiful venue, church, bang in the middle of uh, city centre. And because it's an acoustic guitar, I just thought, well, you don't need an electrical system. You don't need anything to amplify that, do you? Because you're just playing an acoustic guitar. And I remember James talking to him the other day and he was just like, what are you going on about? It's like a massive venue. Of course you need amplification. Thankfully, I was part of like a, a local like DIY punk kind of scene and my friends clubbed together and like sourced me a PA and the gig went ahead and it was fine. I actually didn't arrange for there to be a bar at that gig either. Didn't think, just didn't think and stuff like that. Um, so everyone was thirsty through the whole of the event as well. <laughs> Needless to say, I have always considered like what it's going to sound like ever since that moment and supplied refreshments as well. So yeah, just stupid stuff like that, really. But I can't be too hard on myself because no one sat down and taught me how to like use a sound system ever. Um, I was just a music fan. And I suppose the other thing I learned, like that was re when I was really young, like early 20s. I remember working with a booking agent as well. So this is like pre-internet. The guy like rang me up, you know, this is how long ago it was, and was trying to like get a better deal for his artist so I, I was on um benefits at the time I wasn't working so I was skinned 
and like this guy was on the phone and like you know putting the pressure on to like get an extra 50 quid out of me um which at the time I just didn't have so I was really really scared about that but I said yes um because I felt like intimidated into it basically as it happened on the night we managed to make the money on the door because um badly drawn boy rocked up at the gig and tried to get in for free and I was like mate I need to make this amount of money for the artist sorry no so in retrospect I wish I'd had a bit more confidence about dealing with people like that mm. like that just wouldn't happen now you know if someone said like a, a ridiculous fee to me I'd be like can we negotiate this this is what's realistic you know what I mean like you'd have more of a back mm. and forth so those are probably the two I would reflect on yeah and I guess like right now my big kind of thing is for the next tour festival I will definitely employ staff to help me run the event because like the last one I was just like yeah I can do a bit of sound I can do the door I can just like you know manage the artist whatever and it did get a bit much at one point so I just went upstairs and had a little bit of a, a private meltdown but that's fine so I won't do that again you know what I mean so it's it's all this mm-hmm. big like even now, you know, I'm about to hit 40 and it's just like you're still, you're still like learning things every day at all these events. Yeah, and you push the boundaries of what is possible and then you work out what's, you know, what you can get other, get other people to help you out. Getting other people to help is really important, actually, because if you, if you don't know how to do something, just ask. And like, I wouldn't have done that in my early 20s where like I, I was a bit nervous about asking for help, whereas now I won't think twice about it. Um, don't you've heard of Derek Sivers he writes a lot of books and kind of advice about um, music industry and other things life in general and he says if you don't want to do something or you can't do something there, there's probably someone who will like to do it so for example somebody might love going around handing out flyers when it's totally not your thing you know and it's finding those people and giving them a chance to do their thing and then hopefully it all fits together it's just obviously you also learn who's reliable and who isn't and things like that don't you yeah totally like Lena said earlier, is about time management. I think that's really important. Like I'm similar. I've, I've got three freelance jobs going on at the moment, plus like a day job as well. You know, like all these sorts of things. You have to like manage your time effectively. I've actually been taking part in this music leadership course with Brighter Sounds recently, and this was one of my areas I really wanted to work on. Was um, just kind of like planning my own workload and just gaining some like little skills around like sitting down with the diary like working out what's realistic it's just so valuable I I can't like express how how much easier it's made my life because now I know what I can do and I also can say to people no I can't do that job until this date because of this and nine times out of ten people are fine with that as long as you're just upfront about things Um, and that and I definitely would apply that to like all this DIY stuff, absolutely, you know, just just being upfront with people and just saying what's realistic will just get you so far. I really do believe that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what about you, Lena? Was there any mistakes you made early on that um, that taught you some valuable lessons? I think when you work for yourself, like doing YouTube is just a lot of time alone. I feel like there's not like mistakes that really affect anyone else. They're just learning curves that you're like thinking like, oh, well, how to make it more efficient, how to make it like time management, how to get more views, all these things. Like, so I was trying to think if I had done like mistakes, because in a way, like yeah. if you try really hard, it's never a mistake. It's just a 
learning curve. <laughs> like, mm. But I do think there's a couple pointers of if there is someone who's looking into like things that I wish I kind of knew earlier. And I guess like knowing yourself, especially when you put yourself out in social media, is knowing yourself and being okay with yourself is so important. So like have therapy. <laughs> it's a quite harsh thing to say to people, but the amount of comments you get and the emotional thing that you need to deal loneliness, especially in lockdown, just being, I was editing 50 videos and I was doing this 17 hours in a row. It's very high pressure, but you're putting the pressure on yourself. So it's high pressure. Uh, you get a lot of bad comments, especially as a woman, you get a lot of sexism, you get a lot of people not agreeing with you, not liking you, you put so much effort in and then you get 90% of good comments, but then there is the comments that are not good. So like, I wish I kind of maybe mm. started to figure out my relationship to my work a bit earlier, just because it, it would have helped maybe. So I started going to therapy like two two months ago and I'm like, oh mm. my God, it's so great. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much because I feel like you need to know why you're doing this. Honestly, like why are you putting yourself through this amount of stress and this amount of abuse? Like why? Why was the purpose of it? Because you could also not doing that. <laughs> mm. So the emotional side of it, absolutely. So also that you don't burn out. Uh, because I did burnout, and that's that's where I started to look into this myself a little bit more, and that I should talk to somebody and I should like figure out why I'm doing this and how to go forward because it's clearly not viable for the long run, you know, if if I don't deal with this stuff now. This is Lena's recent track, No, I'll Do It, which, as well as having an empowering message, also features Lena dancing in a Yorkshire back alley. If somebody is like, you know, really wants to do a YouTube channel or wanting to set up a, a gig circuit, be part of a gig circuit, anything like that. Um, and even as an artist, a DIY artist, which we are to a certain extent, um, how, you know, how can they find that 
that strength really to boost them and to believe in themselves to overcome the challenges um Sophie what's your thoughts on that it kind of uh, riffs off what you were just saying Lena actually it, it's just like knowing your value that phrase has like been really important to me recently yeah you're not good at everything no one's good at everything but you are good at some things and what are those things and how can you make that work for you like for me I love people. I know that sounds really basic, but like I love meeting new people and I love like being around people and and also I really enjoy like working with artists to get the the best results for them as well. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that and uh, makes for a great gig end of the day as well. So my sort of big skills there around like communication, uh, making sure people are having a good time, this kind of thing. But maybe like if there's something that I'm not as good at, I'll get somebody else to do it. So that's how I've built up my confidence around it. I'm not professing to know everything either. So if someone asks me a question, I don't know the answer. I, I just tell them I don't know the answer because, yeah, there's nothing worse than just trying to blag things, in my opinion. Yeah, that's stressful. Lena? This is something that I've been thinking a lot lately. It's like, well, what is confidence? So I'm I'm writing about a book about it. So <laughs> what how and how do we get the confidence uh to example get into a things like music production where we are not feeling that confident? And I feel like what we see in social media a lot is people being the things, the images that we want to become. So then we think that that's what you need to be. Like we value that success. Okay, we see someone artist or a person having that success that we want, but we think that the image of what they are is how it should be done. But what we need to remember is that every person is unique and what you have to give is unique to you and that's what the world needs. It's just you. There's no other version of that and there can never be. And the only way you can just set yourself to disappointment is trying to be somebody else. And the only way for us to truly be authentic to ourselves is to find a way to make what you want your way. And how and then you're like, oh, but how do I how do I know how to be authentic and how to how to do that? Well, example, there's millions, zillions ways to do YouTube. There's so many ways. There's as many ways as there is just like people in the world. Because only thing you need is a camera and is uploading that to YouTube. Rest is just you. So actually the options are limitless, but we think there's limitations of what it looks like. And the only way that you need to do is have a phone, have a camera, whatever you have, and just think, how would I do it? What's your input on how would you put yourself out there? And I feel like that is where the source of confidence kind of comes from. That if you truly do it from the perspective of you, then it can never be unsuccessful because it's truly your perspective and you're really giving you into it. And usually that's where people are liking the most. <laughs> that's where you get the most views and that's where you get the most uh, things when you are actually being authentic of you. And and how to be authentic of you is finding things that comes easy to you. So example, I was going to be an actress all my life because everybody said, oh, you're social, you're outgoing, all these things. But it never came easy to me. It was never like a thing that I got praise from because I was a good actor. I got praise because I was loud and outspoken. But it, it was not like a thing that 
came easy to me. But then I went to music studio and suddenly all these technical aspects just were easy. And then suddenly I started teaching them or I started using them. And suddenly the, the feedback that I get from it was so much more positive than I ever got from acting. And it was a hard choice to decide that actually maybe my self-identity is not being an actor. Maybe it is something else, but maybe it doesn't mean that I, I can't perform or I can't be myself. But what if I put that into something that I'm good at, something that comes naturally to me and something that I get feedback, like positive feedback from, from others uh, without too much effort. And that's where it becomes enjoyable. And that's where you become confident in what you do. That was a long explanation, mm. but <laughs> hopefully that made sense. Yeah, and I think once you've done the authentic bit, it's then about, you know, all the other science of it, if you like, of how YouTube works, because it's constantly updating, yeah. you know, Google's always changing. Where do you find all that information about where YouTube's at the moment in terms of their goalposts, if you like, or how the creator's channel works and all the rest of it? Um, well, YouTube informs the creators quite well just by email. <laughs> so all the changes happen just by that. YouTube algorithm works so that if, you, if the content is good, people watch it through, right? So people watch a longer time of it. So that's why the algorithm is based on the fact that how long people watch things. So the views actually don't matter. All the subscribers don't matter. So only how good your content is, how engaging you are, is only thing that matters. So actually, Personally, I decided quite a long time ago that I don't really care too much how the system works. It's just something I learned also just by doing it, what works, what doesn't work. I just concentrate really just to create good content that people watch for a longer time. The basic idea in YouTube is if it's good, it's good. <laughs> and that's how it works. <laughs> and then that, like the algorithm is just based on that. So it's based on human reactions. What I hear a lot is that a lot of YouTubers who start and then they don't get the feedback they want, they want to blame the algorithm. And that's why the algorithm is almost like this swear word. But actually, the fact is that if the content is good, it will do well. But when I started up and I started um, Googling all these things, like you find so many videos. I just used a lot of time just studying, like, how does it work? Like, there is certain science behind, like, the title should be 60 characters long not more than that you know what keywords should you use what should go to the comment box below all these things is just years of practice and seeing what other people do and watching tutorials and I use an app called vidIQ to find the best hashtags and all the science behind like how to maximize it can be learned really fast just by googling it but how to actually grow it you just need to do good content <laughs> And it sounds really harsh, but that's just kind of what everybody else is also saying. I've learned how to make more engaging content, how to be more myself, you know, edit it so that people like it and how to exaggerate my humor with editing and all these kind of things to try to make the engagement of the videos longer. Cool, cool. And talking of technology and sort of putting things online, um, have you been doing any um, live stream gigs during lockdown on Twitch or YouTube or anything, Sophie? Yeah, I have. I've been dabbling in the uh, live stream world. <laughs> I don't know anything about algorithms, though. It sounds like a really complicated area, Lena. Uh, so what did we do? So we put on a tour festival event for the Outlands Network, which is a DIY underground uh, 
music syndicate, I suppose you could describe it as. We put it on for them because it was funded and I really wanted to pay the artists I was playing. So aside from that, we didn't actually put on any tour live events online because I was quite concerned about not being able to pay people. And at the time as well, particularly the first lockdown last year, there was some incredible noise TV kind of content being produced by like my various peers in different cities. And I was quite happy for them to get on with it. And I didn't have much to add to that conversation, really. Um, But I did take part in a, a few of those, like making my own video music content. And I did a uh, like a sort of live show from my kitchen as well for uh, the old police house in Newcastle. Um, so that was really fun because I'd never done anything to do with video before. Um, and yeah, like, like you said earlier as well, Caro, like you had to just quickly like learn how to sort of edit videos, but, um, that's what iMovie's for, in my opinion. Like (laughs) that's where I started. (laughs) That's it, isn't it? Yeah. And it was just a bit like, well, got nothing to lose. I'll just do whatever I want. So I was just making these like mad, like noise trombone videos, essentially, um, and having a great time with it. I got some of the gigs out of it, which are paying this year as well. So so it's all worked out well. Yeah. (laughs) You're listening to Sophie's single called A Chance, which she's released as a download and limited seven inch vinyl via her Bandcamp page. How do you feel about live streaming, Lena? Do you do like gigs online or do you prefer to edit and have that time to to package up your content? I have actually a month ago started a streaming channel uh, on both Twitch and YouTube uh, because that was something that was requested quite a lot. So I started a channel called <laughs> LNA Does Streaming Stuff. <laughs> it's the sister channel for my my original channel and it's actually more for myself so i started because also patreon so i was kind of struggling with the fact that i need to also then do content for patreon and i wasn't really sure what they want and stuff so i started every single wednesday i do first 45 minutes patreon q a live stream just for them 
So they can actually come and talk to me and, you know, ask questions directly from me. And I'm also doing right now this Patreon like remixing. So I'm remixing a song of samples that they send me so they can see the whole process of creating a track in a stream. So I do that. And then after that, on the Wednesday, 6 p.m., I'm doing my own public live stream on the LNA Does streaming stuff and also Twitch called LNA Does streaming stuff, I think. I don't really advertise it too much because I feel almost like I don't want to take pressure of subscribers or likes or anything. I'm kind of doing it for myself because I feel like in the middle of this, I teach people how to do production, but I don't really have the time for myself to do it. So I started the stream so that I don't need to educate anyone. I'm just inviting people to watch me make music. And it's actually really enjoyable because people come and talk to me. They put chat like comments and they're like, hey, maybe try this. And I'm like, actually, yeah, I'm going to try this. And it actually really enhances my creativity because I don't need to teach. I just get this like, it's almost like hanging out with friends and getting that interaction. But it also forces me to make music at least an hour every single week. And it's been very enjoyable process for me this far so I'm definitely going to continue it yes yeah, so related to all of this that we that we're doing um especially online is there any kind of advice in terms of you know how do we build up the kit where do we find out how to find the best mic or the you know the best editing software or you know or the best situation for trying to put on gigs or whatever it is how can we help people find these kind of resources I don't know if there is the best. I find that quite harsh word because I feel like it's a word that makes people think that there is best or there's right or wrong because only science is right. Everything else is just opinions. <laughs> so, um, and even that has an agenda. You've got that on a t-shirt. A lot of the time. Look... <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I always quote RuPaul for that because it's RuPaul says like, <laughs> like you're born naked and rest is dragged. But I feel like it's the same with uh, music production and audio and tech and stuff. With everything is like, or music just generally, or ar arranging gigs. You know, it's just there's the basics that is kind of the fact, the science, like. You can't mm. really argue with it, but rest is just drag. Rest is just you and your expression. So um, I, I, I guess yeah. it's that where to start, you know, so it's just it's like, where do you start with even? Because I mean, there's so much information. There's so much, you know, marketing. There's so much, you know, so many music tech gear websites. It's like, where do you even start to try and find your feet? I there, guess. Was a, there was an amazing um, series of um, like masterclasses that Saffron put on. Do either of you know mm. about Saffron? Yeah. 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 That, yeah. that was really interesting to me for an online resource. I watched a fantastic tutorial about uh, mixing and mastering. Um, which was mm, me too. I was yeah, you were you were yeah. that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah that was yeah, really great. Yeah. Um, but beyond like the internet, I guess I found it really useful joining um, networks. I'm in the Yorkshire Sound Women Network, of course. I'm an associate there, and there's a great Facebook group. So if I've had technical problems in the past, I've just posted on there, and someone's got the answer. That's a really good example of one. I'm also um, an Ivan Ovello member. Um, similarly, you can speak to people who are also members. And actually Twitter. I know it sounds really obvious, but um, I've got like a big community of musicians and artists on there. And like 
I've never met so many of them, but I know that I could ask them a technical question and get the answer. So again, it's just about that community building for me has been really invaluable. And in terms of like putting on a gig, I've got peers in my area who I can, you know, I can sort of uh, bat ideas around with, is this going to work? Does this work like date wise for your calendar as well as mine? You know, those sorts of conversations. So yeah, beyond like, here's the website that you can go to, which I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know for DIY music, how to put a music event uh, website exists. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it should. I don't know. <laughs> I, I actually so agree what you're saying. That's a difficult question because then I started to think like, how did I get into all of it? Hmm. Of course, I recommend going to LNA Does Audio Stuff. There's a plenty of great resources <laughs> <laughs> to start with, <laughs> telling how to get started. And then do an equalised music production course. Absolutely. Course. <laughs> or Yorkshire Sound Women Network course. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so Yorkshire Sound Women Network was like one of the first communities for me that really showed that I was not alone in this. Um, so I really own Yorkshire Sound Women Network like so much for like where I am right now and also for confidence and stuff. I feel like I, I would actually encourage people not to go to all the forums. Mm. The YouTube can be very much of a minefield until you have the basic knowledge of and um, kind of confidence where you are at. So I do recommend like some type of like beginner's course and equalized music production is great if you're a woman or non-binary person. Um, but I would say that, you know, for me, having a friend I had always that in undergrad and in my master's, I have that one friend who I could go to and feel like I could ask anything. And I discovered and I learned so much just by going into studios with my friend Megan. We just went there and we just explored and we just recorded for hours, just two of us. And I feel like it was so not imitating and it was not like minefield and it was not full of like, oh, am I doing this right or am I doing this wrong? It was just two of us just having fun and enjoying it and learning in the experience. And I feel like learning like that together with somebody, even if you just on one of these Facebook groups put like, oh, is there someone I can learn with? You know, someone who wants to learn with me. And then you have a, like a partner that you talk to about things openly and you find that friendship. For me, that was a massive thing, I think. Yeah, and community, of course, as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I feel like we've covered loads mm -hmm. and um, obviously could talk more, but um, I think we've, yeah, we've covered a lot of ground today and I hope we've given people some, some tools and confidence and inspiration to, yeah, go do their thing and be there you and be there, be there them because I just love those phrases. As Oscar Wilde said, um, you may as well be you because everyone else is taken. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I love and the Doctor Zeus one is no one is youer than you. Something about no one is youer than you, so you may as well be you as well. <laughs> I love those. I think they are great. And it's accepting it's a lot of work as well. It's not just a case of showing up and being you. There's a balance there, isn't there? Oh yes. There's a couple of things that I love saying to people who are like asking to get into the industry and stuff. Is like uh you are responsible of yourself and your own career. Nobody else is there to make it happen for you. So you are responsible to make it happen for yourself but also another thing that I've been really obsessed about is like don't ask validation validation is a poison <laughs> of asking and that's that stops you being you and stop being who you are even your friends and family 
we are so depending on opinions um and sometimes nobody else knows better than like what you should do than just you just just believe in your own like ideas really yeah yeah definitely i think the validation is an easy trap to fall in after 20 years of producing and even on my fourth album i'm having to go i see you i see you what you're trying to do there <laughs> i see you can come out under the chair let's just eat some cake and have a cup of tea and have a laugh about it yeah, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah that's true <laughs> brilliant well thank you both so much i just wonder if you can now give us any sort of signposting to where people can find what you do online so sophie I have a website. It's sophiecoopermusic.com. Um, everything's on there. And uh, I, the only social media website I use now is Twitter. Um, and my handle is sophingusa. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch and ask me uh, my opinion on setting up a, a gig or something where they live, I would be really, really happy to talk to people. I give people advice quite a lot. So, uh, yeah, more than happy to have those conversations. Awesome. I thought it was Sofing Goosen. I was like, well, that's an interesting name. I wonder what that's about. Sofing now U- I get it. Sofing USA, yeah. <laughs> I know. No, brilliant. So, Excellent. So um, <laughs> yeah, and I think you've covered it, Lena, but do you want to just recap for us where <laughs> can people find your work online? Yeah, so LNA does audio stuff on YouTube or LNA does streaming stuff and Equalize Music Production. Definitely check that out if you are a gender minority in this world. So check that out. And then I'm very active on Instagram and my handle in there is Lina, L-I-I-N-A underscore music. Uh, So yes, that's me. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. Audio Club is a podcast from Yorkshire Sound Women Network presented by me, Cara C, and edited by Joe Kennedy. The theme music is by Iwan Obinyan and it was produced by Abby Bliss. This podcast is supported using public funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. To find out more about Yorkshire Sound Women Network, you can visit yorkshiresoundwomen.com. Thank you for listening.